You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Doc, episode number 33. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about concussion spotting and what you guys can do as sideline therapists, as well as coaches, parents, or even just spectators at home watching professional sports games on TV. Um, A few years ago, the NHL and NFL introduced the concept of concussion spotters, where they would have trained uh, neurologists and healthcare providers in the stands at games to be able to detect concussions and then to be able to go down onto the field and um, remove those players independently of the, of, of the team medical staff. So that was kind of an oversight position that these professional leagues took and um, I think ultimately uh, it was a good call. Um, now, what types of things are these people looking for and what can those on the sidelines look for in order to help determine, detect concussions when they occur? Um, I know that I've been at home watching games and have seen things happen and have said, okay, that's a concussion for sure, uh, yet you'll see that player continue to play uh, or they will inevitably get removed by the concussion spotter and then they've done a good job. So that's awesome. Now, there's two things required for concussion diagnosis. Number one is you need a mechanism of injury, meaning that you need some sort of impact to the head or impact to the body where there's a transmitted force up to the head, similar to a whiplash type mechanism. So you need some sort of mechanism of injury that causes acceleration or deceleration of the head and the brain. The second thing you need to make a concussion diagnosis is any one of the concussion signs or symptoms, whether it be dizziness, headache, nauseousness, appearing off balance, having a loss of consciousness, any of those are signs or symptoms of concussion. So you need to have the mechanism, but then you need to have either immediately after or shortly thereafter the presentation of concussion signs or symptoms. Now a symptom is something you feel, it's something that the patient would describe, headache, you know, I feel dizzy, whereas a sign is something that the person would observe. So maybe the player gets up and it's off balance or uncoordinated, and that would be a sign to somebody on the sidelines that something has happened here, okay? So the signs are what concussion spotters are typically looking for, and this is also what a sideline athletic trainer, athletic therapist would be looking for when they're playing the sport, so they're always keeping an eye on the game to see if something may have occurred, and this is why it's important to have trained athletic trainers and athletic therapists at these sporting events because they have medical knowledge and medical background. Now, if you are a coach and you don't have the resources to be able to have sideline personnel, here's some things that you can look for in order to be able to help detect concussions and make sure we're getting them out of the game. So the number one thing is loss of consciousness. This one's obvious. If the person has lost consciousness, this is a 100% guaranteed that they've had a concussion. It is a definitive confirmation if they've lost consciousness. This means that they have a concussion and potentially even something worse than a concussion. So loss of consciousness is a definite. Uh, I have a patient story that's pretty funny because, um, like I said, if you have a loss of consciousness, 
um, you automatically um, have a concussion. I had a patient that came in, was hit by a car, had a loss of consciousness for three hours. He woke up in the hospital and they had done CT scans on him and for those that have followed our previous posts, you cannot detect a concussion from a CT scan. You can only look at the structure of the brain, which doesn't show up necessarily if there's been a concussion. But anyway, so the guy's lost consciousness for three hours. He's in to see me and he says, you know what's interesting? I was treating him for other things. I was treating for his hips and other things like that from the injury. So the interesting thing is, no concussion. So he's unconscious for three hours and he said that the doctor told him that he doesn't have a concussion. Uh, I was like, you have at least a concussion, if not a moderate <laughs> to severe traumatic brain injury. So um, concussion or loss of consciousness story automatically signifies that you've had a concussion at the very minimum. Only 10% or even less than 10% of concussion cases have a loss of consciousness. So this means that the majority of cases of concussion will not have a loss of consciousness. So to summarize that, if you have a loss of consciousness, you definitely have a concussion, if not something more severe. If you didn't have a loss of consciousness, it does not mean that you didn't have a concussion. You could still have a concussion, okay? Number two, fencing response. This is when a person's limbs will go rigid and this indicates a loss of consciousness as well. So if a player gets hit and they hit down to the ground and their arms stay elevated like this and then they kind of slowly drop down, that is automatically you know that there's been a loss of consciousness. It happens in about two-thirds of loss of consciousness cases. Um, and it indicates that the brainstem was involved in that particular injury. Okay, so that's basically into loss of consciousness anyway. Number three, lying motionless. This could also indicate that there's been a loss of consciousness or it potentially could mean that the player uh, just has extreme confusion and doesn't really know where they are, so they're just kind of lying on the field after the injury. Um, and if they're not moving, I would be trying to stop the play and getting out there to them uh, ASAP. Clutching of the head or helmet after impact. So this is another important topic. Um, they get hit, they grab onto their helmet, obviously indicates that their head is in some sort of pain or they suffered some sort of trauma directed at the head. Possibly a good indication to remove that player to have further testing done to see if there's been a concussion. Balance impairments, difficulty getting up, stepping, stumbling, falling out of position, those types of things. Um, what you'll often see when you're watching football or hockey or any of these, these high-risk sports, someone will get hit and they'll try to stand up and they'll be very wobbly and they'll try to make their way back to the bench or the sidelines, and right away at home, you all know that that's been a concussion. Uh, there was an incident with Dustin Bufflin with the Winnipeg Jets that got wide attention, but you can see there's an immediate balance impairment as soon as he got hit, and he was unable to get uh, back to the bench very well. Uh, disorientation or confusion. Confusion. Player may get hit and get up and start running the wrong direction. The player then may come off the field and not be able to respond to simple questions. So when you're talking to the player, you're not just analyzing their symptoms, but you're looking for the signs. Another one that I have here is a blank or vacant stare. So if they're staring at you blankly, it means that they're probably not picking up the information. And when you ask them simple questions such as, where are we today? So these are called Maddox questions. What venue are we at? What's the score of the game? Who scored last? Uh, what quarter or period are we in? 
uh, and who did we play last game? So those types of questions are something that most players should be able to easily rhyme off. If there's a delay in their response to that or they're confused by the questions, uh, obviously that means that they're not thinking clearly and there's likely to have been a concussion there. Slurred or incoherent speech. Sometimes people will try to babble when they try to talk after a loss of consciousness. You'll ask them a question and they'll say, blah, blah, blah. they're trying to respond, but they can't make out the words. Uh, the other thing they may do is actually use inappropriate words. So you may ask them a question and they say something completely unrelated to the question that you just asked. And that is indicative that there has been a concussion and you should be removing that player from the game. Obviously, these ones are more sideline ones. Uh, vomiting. If you see this one, that is not only indication that there may have been a concussion, but also indication that this person should likely go to the emergency department. Two or more episodes of vomiting following concussion meets the criteria for the Canadian CT head rules that determines that that person should get a CT scan to look for more serious injuries in the brain. In the American version, which is called the New Orleans criteria, they only require one episode of vomiting in order for somebody to get a CT scan. So if you are at the game or you're watching even on TV and you see somebody that gets hit and they go to the sidelines and throw up, that person should not only be removed from the game, but they should be brought to probably to the nearest emergency department just to make sure that there's not something more serious that has taken place. So vomiting is one of those serious ones that... Um, definitely requires some, some further investigation. So these top, I think I put about 10 here, these ones are the most obvious signs and symptoms that you can pick up uh, either from home or as a parent in the stands. If you see your kids or your friend's kids that have any of this stuff happening, please remove them from the game, notify somebody, get them off the field, off the, off the ice, uh, because there is tremendous danger in continuing to play uh, with a concussion. So that's the big thing. I hope you guys have learned something here today, whether you're a sideline therapist or whether you're a parent, coach, teacher, somebody involved with sports, or just an interested spectator at home. Uh, hopefully this can help you to pick up concussions that you see uh, and do the right thing, get people out. Um, sometimes players will try to tell you that they feel fine. So you might see something happen and then you pull them off and they're like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But if you've witnessed any of these things, um, I, I probably wouldn't even listen to them when they say you're fine. A lot of athletes will tell you they're fine to try and tough it out or continue to play. Um, I would, it would be very difficult for me to continue to let an athlete play that I've witnessed something, um, one of the things that I've just covered. Okay, that's it for me. Uh, next week is Bell Let's Talk Day here in Canada on the 30th, which is Wednesday. We're going to be discussing the mental health implications of concussion as well as concussion recovery. Tremendous overlap in the two conditions and I know a lot of people out there uh, are struggling with the mental health side either pri uh, prior to injury or have since uh, started struggling with mental health uh, issues and so I think that's an important topic to cover and we will do that next Wednesday. Join us then. See you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.